Coming up on Podcast 1637, Tesla's Model Y becomes the number one selling vehicle in Europe of all fuel types. Stick around and I'll tell you more. Also on the podcast today, Mercedes-Benz looks at Tesla's price cuts in China and says, we're doing okay, thanks, Jack. Uh, We have a look at the US military going electric and BP Pulse in the US launching Gigahubs. Those stories and a lot more today on the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Friday, 28th of October. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. The podcast this month is sponsored by And Charge, the new app for you to add to your phone to uh, earn rewards, do challenges, be part of the community, and ultimately report back on the condition of charging stations uh, to the charge point operators directly they sign up with and charge and you can be rewarded for answering five quick questions about ionity this month get paid 10 kilometers of rewards per challenge you do Uh, you can get five pounds of amazon credits or uh, five pounds to spend on octopus electric universe sponsors of this podcast so head to the local ionity station to you uh, do a couple of challenges and if you download the and charge app now you'll be on your way let's get into our headline story today. This is too important to wait. Tesla's Model Y topped new vehicle registrations in Europe last month. Uh, market research data showed this isn't Tesla data. They don't break it down by, uh, by country or continent. They don't break it down by even model. They lump the three and the Y together. But we think uh, that the world's most valuable car maker is now the number one seller of any vehicle in Europe. The first time the Tesla's vehicle has led the rankings in Europe. Uh, Jato Dynamics said earlier this week on Wednesday, 29,367 Model Ys were registered last month. The sales surge for Model Y underscores the effort that China is making to export the vehicles here to Europe. And also, of course, Giga Berlin is ramping slowly, but that's still... 2,000 vehicles a week, every week, week in, week out, uh, coming into the European market. Now, there's no way of telling what vehicle you can get. I've been onto the Tesla Germany website, set my VPN to Germany, set the Tesla website to Germany. I can't access the new colors, the so-called colors that are only coming out of Giga Berlin. I've tried every possible combination of why. I just can't make it show the new colors. So I would presume those vehicles are then coming from China. I don't know how that works. If you have any insight, let me know. Maybe when they're ready, because of the way that Tesla does it. Because obviously, like you know that if you order a Tesla, you're not ordering a car. They've built, you know, 10% of this spec and 10% of that spec. And then they, when you make an order, they match you up with something on a boat somewhere. You're like, you know that, like. Some people order cars and then they get a little a little GPS tracker. Oh, your car's in the paint shop. That's not how it works with Tesla. They just build a ton of a certain spec. Um, and they're really good at predicting who's going to buy how many of that spec. So they're, they're, they, they match it pretty closely. But it's why sometimes people order a Tesla and can be surprised. They get a call after a couple of weeks and they say, oh, your car is ready. And they go, hang on, no, you told me it was six months ago. <laughs> well, we found one. And so... It's not actually your car, but I wonder how you get access to those new colours. I'm going to carry on checking the Germany, the France uh, websites as well and just try and work out if you order a Model Y in Europe, and of course we're right-hand drive so we don't count, how do you know if you're getting a Berlin vehicle or how do you know if you're getting a China vehicle? Is there any way of specifying it? Well, there's not. I mean, you can't even call Tesla really these days. And so 
Really interesting to try and work that out. But wow, what an achievement. Holy moly, the number one vehicle in Europe is an electric car last month. Uh, that is, It's September, obviously, that I'm talking about. So it takes a while for those numbers to come in. And like I say, then it's not Tesla data, but it's just brilliant news. Wow. Now let's go to the US and Kamala Harris announcing a billion dollars in grants for electric school buses, 400 school districts in all 50 states and D.C., along with several tribes and U.S. territories, are receiving their share of $1 billion in grants to purchase 2,500 green school buses. The Biden administration is making the grants available as part of an effort to accelerate the transition to zero emissions and reducing emissions around schools and our communities. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris and the EPA Administrator Michael Reagan announcing the grants yesterday in Seattle. Uh, the new mostly Electric school buses will reduce emissions and be better for children's health, they said. According to PBS.org, who writes, as many as 25 million children ride the familiar yellow buses to school every day and they'll have a healthier future with cleaner fleets. Only 1% of the 480,000 school buses are fully electric in the US. But a push to abandon diesel has gained momentum and the EPA initially made $500 million available. That was increased to a billion. A total of 389 applications were made for the purchase of 2,463 electric school buses. That's just brilliant, brilliant news. Now, how about where we charge our vehicles in urban environments? I found this really a really fascinating topic because before we moved into this house that has a garage and a driveway, we lived in a mid-terrace house. Before we lived there, we lived in a mid-terrace house. And having an EV is very doable without off-street parking, um, but you've really got to have a hunger for it. It's not easy. According to a new study, the carbon footprint of manufacturing and installing charging in lampposts and existing street furniture is 88% lower than building a standalone charging pillar. Now, we've all seen those pillars, those normally AC charging pillars that have often cropped up in towns and cities, and they tend to be pretty small, but maybe three, four feet high, and... You know, they're reasonably chunky, but putting charging into things like lampposts aims... This study aims to quantify how much carbon emissions could be avoided if you put chargers into lampposts. Uh, the authors note that there are at least 300,000 lampposts in the UK alone suitable for retrofitting. And that makes sense, because on many of our streets, there is street lighting and that has electricity to it already. Now, maybe that grid needs bolstering, or maybe it doesn't. The study's conclusion that lamppost charges embody less carbon because they repurpose the existing infrastructure chimes with common sense, writes chargedvs.com. Do it properly and you can add a charger to existing street furniture with less material, less time, less trouble. And I guess it just becomes a case of finding... Well, two things. Finding a charger, because obviously lampposts aren't every car parking space. They're a little bit further apart than that. And also how people considerately plug them in. I would say that I've seen great examples of that and less great examples of that. I, I get it. You need to charge. You need to charge. You need to charge. But you shouldn't be draping cables across streets. There's people with you know, wheelchairs or visually impaired or push buggies and stuff like that. So come on, people, be you know, be sensible. Let's look after each other. I've seen it done really well as well. Um, and that would have worked in all of the cases that I can think of at the places that I live without where we are now. 
that probably would have worked. I must admit, if you got home late on a Sunday night in those kind of houses, you were fighting for a space anywhere near your house on a typical kind of, especially when we lived in London. When we lived up in London uh, in the uh, turn of the century, like a 1910 terrace, I mean, that was, you know, you could get a space and that was parking permit as well in Richmond, which costs a fortune. But, you know, if you got home late, it was like, oh, I'm parking about a 10 minute walk from my house. And so then you got to charge. And, and OK, so we're not there yet, but it's good news that people are thinking about stuff like this. In China, Tesla has reduced prices, but Mercedes-Benz in response said that their car prices are, and I quote, well supported. The finance chief yesterday telling CNBC that Mercedes-Benz cars in China are well-supported on pricing. Uh, And I quote, We are not shooting for the mass market. We are shooting for the top end, the luxury segment. This one usually proves to be more resilient in times of macro uncertainties or troughs. Now, China is the largest market for Mercedes-Benz. They sold 222,000 cars in the country in the third quarter of the year. And about 85,000 of those were electric vehicles. I'll pop a link to CNBC in the show notes if you'd like to read more. But Mercedes-Benz there saying, hey, Reducing prices, not for us, thanks. We are standing firm. It's good that, obviously, that's the market they play in, and and they haven't seen that need to to compete yet. But I do get the feeling there may be a little bit of a price war breaking out between Tesla, who have plenty of margin to uh, to, to, to soak up uh, those price reductions against the likes of NEO, BYD, Xpeng, Li Auto, and more as well. Now, let's talk about PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric Company, has received approval to be the nation's first vehicle-to-grid export compensation scheme for commercial vehicles. And that's obviously in California. Uh, The V2G export rate promotes EV adoption in commercial customers, providing incentives to help uh, offset fleet costs and delivers an innovative solution uh, for those vehicles, they say, to put power back into the grids. The rate will increase participation of things like school buses, they say. And electric vehicles, particularly those that do a set run at a set time of day, and they know they're going to be plugged in at a set time. School buses are a great example of that. You know the route. You know the times, you know when they're not going to be used. And you know that if the grid needs some juice, apart from when they're obviously ferrying kids around, then those buses can be used for V to G. And now they have the first official export rate for commercial vehicles. Those large vehicles continue to electrify, and the opportunity is there for them to both support the grid, be a crucial a crucial uh, crutch, if you like, in times of need. But also, it makes them more affordable to the fleet owners or those leasing those vehicles or, or anyone that wants to get involved in a little bit of, you know, energy arbitrage, I think they call it, you know, buy low, sell high, that kind of stuff. But, you know, in all seriousness, one bus doesn't make a difference. You've got a fleet of 150 buses, uh, you know, your school district or something, and, and all of a sudden, you're talking some super-duper money. Now, on the way soon, we'll talk about Tesla offering some more free upgrades to some owners of older vehicles and the US military getting into electric two-wheelers. I'll tell you why. Stick around. Those stories are on the way. Now, let's talk a little bit about why electric vehicles are being held back. According to the World Economic Forum, 4.3 million new pure EVs and plug-in hybrid vehicles were sold globally in just the first half of this year. So first six months of the year, 
Four and a half million, say. That is a great number. And Pure Electric going up by 75%. An EU-wide ban on the sale of these cars comes into force in 2035. The UK is 2030. And so the World Economic Forum did a big piece of research about what's holding EVs back. I won't do it all now. It's a long read. But I'll give you the headlines. Higher upfront cost, limited access to charging, concerns about range. I think those three things sometimes in that order, but sometimes in a different order, have pretty much been the top three objections since I started this four and a half years ago doing a daily podcast about EVs. And I I think I see them time and time again. Nothing's changed. That's a little bit sad. But so much has changed. But that's the perception. So I can see the infrastructure getting better. I can see prices coming down. We've got cars on the market that are cheaper than ever before. But that's the perception of people that don't drive them yet. Now, let's talk a little bit about Tesla and uh, some drone footage over Berlin. Now, the single-piece front casting for the Model Y needs 169 fewer pieces and 1,600 fewer welds. And the Berlin Gigafactory has now been spied with the single front cast end of the Model Y. It's a different way of producing a vehicle. And uh, this first look in the real world may give us some insight into what's coming out of Berlin. Elon Musk recently said that the next vehicle uh, coming out of Berlin would use all the lessons learned from Fremont and Shanghai and anything they're making in Austin. Uh, We're getting close now to, hopefully, uh, that single cast piece front end coming out of the Berlin Gigafactory. Drone footage courtesy of Tobias Lind, who posts on YouTube, uh, did a flyover and showed some vehicles in the car park, which seemed to be either, I don't know, like uh, not prototypes, but, you know, validation uh, builds or they weren't even bodies in white. I think they're just the front end. Um, So they could have even been shipped in from Austin. The equipment might not even be operational in Berlin yet. We don't know. But the presence of them is certainly interesting. Tesla is also offering free upgrades to anyone who has an older vehicle uh, that needs the cameras upgraded for autopilot and full self-driving. And uh, a reader of Teslarati, who goes by the name of Jason G, said that he got a notification from Tesla. He says, I'm in the beta queue for full self-driving with an eligible safety score, but haven't got beta because his cameras are too old. And he says that uh, uh, that they have upgraded the uh, MCU, and now they're upgrading the cameras for free. Fellow reader Bob C received the notification. He drives a 2017 Model S 75D. And back in November, this time last year, in November 21, Tesla offered autopilot camera upgrades to the early FSD adopters driving older Teslas. Uh, the company's notifications last year appear similar to the ones now going out to other customers. So as they try to get more people into the FSD beta program, uh, they need the cameras upgraded for that. And it appears that that work is being done for free. As, as it should be, by the way, as it should be. Let's get on to the US military testing. American-made two-wheel electric bikes. Uh, the company uh, that are providing these, the Huck Overland model, is being evaluated by the US military. Two of the Huck Overlands have been trialled in various live fire exercises and tested for use in search and rescue, border patrol, perimeter patrol, air deployment, um, medivac, Uh, Rolling gurneys, uh, covert operations, remote deployment, mobility caching, stuff like that. Far from 
a heavyweight electric adventure bike. It's a 65 kilogram, 145 pound um, Overland bike. The Huck Overland is small. It's agile. It's obviously very silent with a three kilowatt motor, six kilowatt peak, three kilowatt hour battery very light. It'll do 40 miles at 64 kilometres, so you're not going to be going a long way behind enemy lines, but for five and a half, six thousand dollars $6,000, it's normally sold for those doing sort of hunting and fishing uh, and outdoorsman stuff, but uh, we've seen uh, more and more military using electric bikes in combat. The uh, In Ukraine, the Ukrainian military using them uh, with mounted rockets to help uh, the defenders take out uh, the invading Russian forces from more nimble and mobile platforms. Ukrainian snipers have been using them as well to get into a firing position and then quickly get out. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the National Electric Vehicle Training Centre coming to Ohio. Youngstown State University announcing yesterday a partnership with Foxconn, who are going to make electric vehicles in the US, to design a national training and innovation centre to address the skills gap. Uh, the VP of Foxconn uh, said there's an urgent need for a pipeline of employees in various positions. It'll cost up to $75 million to bring the training center into life with construction and equipment and the curriculum. Uh, the plan is to bring together uh, stakeholders to hear their needs, and the center will focus on supplying skilled employees for the EV industry. BP Pulse over here. I cancelled my BP Pulse membership a long time ago. Uh, massive reliability issues that I found. Others don't seem to have such problems, but I had awful problems with BP Pulse. And so they're not having any more of my money. Thanks. I don't use their charges anymore. If I can use any other charger first, they're like the new Ecotricity or the, the new, you know, the old electric highway. Uh, BP Pulse, uh, in my experience, absolutely stinks at the minute. Um, and I can't even tell you what the pricing is. I just thought, I haven't used them in like a year and a half, two years. Um, the hard, I think the hardware's just okay. I went to too many sites that were powered down. One of them I was really low on. And their site, the, the app says it's operational, turned up dead as a dodo. And the guy in the um, little kiosk in the petrol station was like, yeah, it, it dead like two new ones, like sort of 350 kilowatt fast, but all turned off. And it's like, great. So I kind of fell out of love with BP Pulse. But BP Pulse in America is different. And that gives me hope. Obviously, it's all BP. But I think it's a different company. I think it's a different team of staff as well uh, in terms of management. So... Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Today announcing plans to introduce GigaHubs, a series of large EV fast-charging hubs, uh, specifically for ride-hailing and taxi fleets near U.S. airports and high-demand locations. The first one near LA International, in collaboration with Hertz and the California Energy Commission, the CEC, providing a $2 million grant to support the project. That's cheeky. This is BP. Come on, it's an oil company. They're rinsing us for more money than ever before, and now they're taking... Grant money? Really, BP? Really? Anyway, they're using CEC money uh, to build their first Giga Hub. Uh, so good luck with that, and hopefully it uh, can be the first of many. These large charging stations, like it, Tesla style, is just the best way to do it. Octopus Energy are next in the news, and they are funding EV infrastructure in the north of England. Octopus Energy Generation is the investment bit of Octopus, who 
as you know, sponsor this podcast. I have them as my electricity provider, uh, earmarking £110 million pounds, uh, in for the Manchester-based EV public charging network, BEV. Uh, they're one of Europe's largest renewable investors at Octopus, and the deal is part of their strategy to invest in high-growth companies. Um, Octopus Electric Universe, sponsor of this podcast, uh, make EV charging simple as drivers use one card, uh, one map and the app to access 310,000 public charging points from a range of brands. I got my Octopus card bef- when it was the old name, not Octopus Electric Universe, and I think there was two or three networks and none of them were anywhere near I lived. This was years ago, and but I wanted the card, and I wanted if I ever needed it. And now, maybe there was like, I don't know, something like 40 or 60 charges in the country. 310,000 charges you can now use with your Octopus card. And uh, as part of that, the network BEV, it's BE.EV, uh, is joining Electric Universe, which is fantastic news. Now the Chinese company NEO is allowing their owners to swap the batteries for different sizes. And that's new. Previously, you could only upgrade your pack on a monthly or annual basis. But now if you pull into a battery swap station, starting from tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, You can now choose any battery pack. You can upgrade or downgrade. So say you've paid for a certain size, but you want to do a long journey that day, you can get the biggie. There are three sizes of battery packs, 70, 75, or 100 kilowatt hours. And if you do change the pack size, there there is a cost, by the way. So if you have the small battery pack and you turn up to a battery swap station and you say, I'd like the big one, please, 100 kilowatt hours, um, you just pay $9 a day for using that battery, and then you've done your long journey, your road trip, your family trip, you get back to a battery swap station, back to the capacity of battery that is in your regular subscription package. Very, very clever. And you get a discount if you go to a smaller pack as well. Uh, General Motors is delaying their electrification goals a wee bit. Uh, They want to deliver a total of 400,000 electric vehicles in North America by the end of next year. As uh, GM CEO Mary Barrett explained in the company's announcement of the quarterly results. Battery production is the issue. It can't be ramped up as quickly as planned. And so they are going to delay by six months some of their targets. Uh, She said it's because it's taking longer than expected to hire and train more than a thousand workers at the uh, LG joint venture they have called Ultium Cells in uh, Warren, Ohio. So uh, a bit of a delay, only six months. But that's not the end of the world for their EV program. Now, uh, the uh, last story today is the Hyundai Ionic 5 and the Ionic 6. As I talked about on the recent podcast, um, they are getting better as time goes on. The 2023 model year of the 5, and of course the new 6 from Hyundai, uh, are going to get better at battery preconditioning, and it'll help drivers set up a better, optimal experience for DC fast charging. The long-range versions of the 5 and even the Kia EV6 have offered some fast charging times for those of 18, 20 minutes if the battery is in the right condition. Battery conditioning, as Hyundai have called it on the dashboard, battery conditioning is different than winter mode. Now, I remember winter mode when we had the Hyundai Kona. And uh, it doesn't fully explain what winter mode is on the dashboard, but uh, what the winter mode warms the battery to improve performance, to reduce that internal resistance that lithium-ion batteries have in very, very cold temperatures. Battery conditioning is different in that it heats up the battery to a higher target temperature when you navigate to a DC fast charger, and that is welcome, uh, as anyone who has charged slowly on an Ionic 5 um, will tell you. 
when you enable it, uh, the battery percentage icon in the gauge cluster shows a red core, and for four seconds says battery conditioning. Uh, there's no manual button, though. So, you know, if you drive, uh, or uh, not, not many people do drive a Lucid, but if you've seen in the Lucid or some other cars as well, you can manually turn on battery preconditioning. Uh, they Hyundai said they might introduce that on the app, so they can have a, a toggle switch on the app to manually force it to get hot. Otherwise, you've got a you've got to set the sat-nav to a DC fast charger. Now, that's not the end of the world, but sometimes people don't want to do that. Or sometimes people want to go to a DC fast charger and not use up any juice heating the battery because they're going to be there for a long time. So it'll be good to manually be able to turn it on and off, but that does get into the weeds a little bit. It's a bit nerdy, but, you know, that's what I'm into. So there you go. Right, question of the week, taking a wee break for a while, but it will return. Thanks to the premium partners of the podcast. It'll be you, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi, they're in Cincinnati East, and Volvo Cars, they're in Cincinnati East. National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley, check out his brilliant EV Review Island YouTube channel. Uh, Richard at rscv.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe. It's global public charging made simple with one app and one map. And millbrookcottages.co.uk. Five-star luxury cottages in Devon. Visit them on the website where you can book online your luxury break. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.